Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, we're back again. Um, yeah, buddy. Yeah, man, I'm excited about what's, what's happening. Uh, we got some great response, great feedback on our last episode. And um, so we're embarking on a journey that's meant to extend that conversation uh, over the next 12 sessions. And this is the first of those 12. Um, I'm gonna let you present the introduction to our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, for me, it's such an obsession, leaders of leaders. And we talked about this in the last episode, you're, domain expertise here in sales leaders, uh, so powerful. And what we want to do is build out on that through 12 parts to give people a journey, a framework. And so wherever they find themselves new to leading sales leaders, high performing people in a new environment or seasoned, all wherever you find yourself are going to get sharpened by this. Uh, even if you've been in the game a long time and performing and executing at a high level, I always like to joke about this, like, hey, you've lived in your house a long time. You don't notice those strange smells anymore. Right. This, this, uh, the season sales leader. Right. We, we all do. We all can get this place where our edges lose some of their sharpness. We get a little dull. So we're going to take people through this journey to help them either accelerate their sharpness or stay on the edge, get it back wherever they find themselves. Um, so as we talk about leadership, I know for you, the passion, you say a statement over and over uh, about what is born for. Right, right, right. Yeah, we're, we're every, everything that's born is born for growth. And I think of that in the context of a tree, a corporation, a human being, right? The and, and it doesn't have to be growth in the context of more, more, more. It's just, in the, it can be in the context of development, um, yeah. growth in terms of our understanding, awareness, growth driven by curiosity, um, the recognition that change is a constant. And we like to say that uh, whatever's born is born for growth. Growth is the mastery of change. Change is inevitable. Growth is not. Hence our focus on continuous improvement. Um, and hence our need as human beings for leadership, right? Because this idea that change is inevitable, but growth isn't, that generates fear, uncertainty, doubt. And every one of us, when we get into a situation where we're facing change and we don't know, or we don't have confidence in that next step, um, we oftentimes require Leadership. We require the benefit of the mastery of someone else who has been that way before, who can walk us or lead us or present some guidance that we can leverage. 
Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, I think about what I've invested into being able to do keynote conferences from my video setup that I have, but getting some video coaching recently, even though you and I both are in meetings and people are like, this is the best we've ever seen. That guy blew my mind at how much farther I could go, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so that's what we want to do in this, in this series is take you back to something, you know, but take you deeper than you've ever known it or introduce it to you in a way that you're going to move farther, faster, because you get this knowledge. And what we're going to cover today as an idea is really the starting point of leadership. Because a lot of people are like, I don't know where to start. Where do I begin? There's either so much, or I'm just so uncertain, or if they're new, you know, there's, there could be just a lot of self-doubt. I'm in a place that's really good. And we're going to give you one clue today that is going to help you get started. The problem with it is this, when we give you this clue, you're gonna at first experience it in a way that frustrates you. You're gonna at first experience it in a way that it's the thing that makes leadership feel tiring to you. And we're gonna break down how you can actually think about it differently so that it energizes you. Awesome. So the, go ahead. No, that's awesome, man. So. What I'd like to do is I'd like to, before we jump, I'd like to clarify something. So this idea of leaders leading leaders, and I think um, in the context of sales leadership and a a traditional sales team, um, we oftentimes refer to high-performing individual contributors as sales leaders, meaning, you know, they operate at a high level and they are folks that their peers can look to for evidence of what works and also advice and so forth. Um, But in the context of leadership specifically, what I'd like to do is just frame my thinking here and maybe have you comment. Um, I oftentimes lump CEOs and sales leaders in the same sentence because I believe they have the same difficult job. A CEO has to present a certain level of leadership to the board of directors. They have to present a certain level of leadership to their to their employees. They have to present a certain amount of leadership to the marketplace. Um, And all three of those constituents can receive a different message. And so the the challenge really is how how do you give them what they need in an authentic, transparent, honest way? Uh, And it it is a challenge, a constant challenge. And um, what's also interesting about the CEO's role is that they report to typically or take orders from the board. You know, they oftentimes give orders to their employees, but they but they actually oftentimes take orders from the market or have to lead the market. So there's also this level that you can't they can't just rely upon their authority to demand certain behavior from the constituencies that they lead. And the same is true for salespeople. Salespeople are charged with leading their customers to change. And they have no authority over those customers at all. Um, And and oftentimes they're competing against other folks who are requesting or trying to earn the same level of leadership. And then of course, salespeople have to look internally and present themselves as leaders uh, across several organizations, oftentimes in their company, in order to get what they need for their customers. So they've got to present a level of leadership to their legal team, to their marketing team, to their um, their solution development team or solution design team, et cetera, to 
formulate a solution and sell a solution that actually that is actually going to deliver on the goals that they've pledged to the organization. And then, of course, they have to lead up in terms of relating to their manager and those above them. I remember when I was a rep, I oftentimes reported to my VP, but I also referred to my glo- or re- reported my global VP and my, C- my CEO would, would hit me up once in a while. So there's a similar leadership challenge. Um, and so in that context, even though a salesperson isn't directly leading other employees within the organization, I would still consider them leaders and I would still consider them um, needy of this type of uh, training. Right on, right on. I mean, I can't help but hear you walk through that and think of parenting, right? And second one goes to college and third one is finishing sophomore year of high school and just all these transitions, all of this communication, helping make sure trajectories are in place that I'm not overdoing it, but I'm also not underdoing it. You know, there is there is a, a finesse, there's an approach that can be natural and authentic to who I am, but it's max ability to be persuasive and impacting. And and of course, this is the stuff you and I geek out on all the time. So we we live for this stuff. We love this stuff. We love doing it in our own lives and paying attention and then helping others with it. But yeah, it is a complex reality to lead especially when you're in a place that there's pressure to perform and you got to produce. And especially in a market where there's high variability, there's a lot of change. It's like we're stepping into a jungle new and every day we're learning what plants hurt us, what don't, what animals can help us, what don't. And we're having to assimilate all this and very quickly. And so that's what we want to do as we walk you through this 12 part series is not promise you something that's false, which is it's easy and here's how. Overnight, you can do this. Instead, it's to give you, hey, it's going to take time. But if you work at developing these skills, these skills will get you to where you want to go, applying this leadership, influence, and impact wherever you find yourself. So, yeah, let's go. Let's get started. And, and the first, what we want to cover first is a, really a question. You could think about the foundation of leadership this way. Where am I tolerating or avoiding? Where am I tolerating or avoiding? Now, I'm going to flip this back to you, Jimmy, in just a second, because we want to get into specific conversation for uh, leaders, CEOs, leaders of sales professionals. But when we start with this concept, here's what I want to encourage you with. How many times, Jimmy, have you been in a place in life, in a meeting, with a business, with a customer, anything, and something bothered you? You knew it could be better and you were bothered, right? Right. If you're a leader, if you're a person of vision, you have this happen all the time. You see things that could be better all the time. Um, This is why we like to go to the restaurants we like to go to because we're not going to be bothered. You and I are advancing vision all the time. We want to go somewhere where we're going to be well taken care of, and it's going to be an enjoyable experience. So the thing that we want to encourage people with is this, and this is why I said it's going to be a shift. When you sit in the chair and you go, when are they going to get it? How many times are they going to have to do this? Why? You know, you start to get frustrated. You see where it can be, and it's not there yet. That place you're bothered, that's great. 
That means you have vision. You see how it could be better. I'm just curious just to make this like super personal or wherever it takes you. Is there any place in your life right now where you're like, man, I see how it could be better. I'm bothered and I want to improve it. Well, I, I'm using multiple hats, right? The parent hat, the sales manager hat, and the salesperson hat, right? When I'm thinking about this. Um, but I can. But what resonates the most for me is uh, oftentimes I work as an interim sales leader for special clients. It's not a big part of the biz. Um, and I typically do that in an environment where, where everything is brand new. And so I have a, uh, a client, uh, young very young and new salesperson, probably been doing um, sales development work maybe for a year and a half, two years, but motivated. I'm a 55-year-old man. <laughs> he is like a 26 or 27-year-old <laughs> young man. And I mean, it's just funny as hell to, you know, to experience. So it's like every conversation there, there is, we are missing each other in terms of how we relate to each other, right? There's nothing familiar about these conversations and every, um, every expectation I have for how he will respond isn't met. Right. And so even my client, um, his, his, um, C-level superior, um, is frustrated by this as well. And so what I'm, what I'm, what I'm remembering is, you know, these, these conversations, but what's really wonderful is it's been a, probably about six or eight months so far. And what's happening is, man, we had a breakthrough, hmm. right? And success is coming and energy is coming, um, from, from him now. And really all I had to do was stop you know, assuming, stop waiting for him to see things my way. I just had, and I had to, I had to get rid of the emotion attached to that bothering, being bothered. And I had to simply just step back and do the basic blocking and tackling, change my expectations, have a, a, a more appropriate level of patience. And they have the confidence that look, with pressure comes change. And I'm just going to keep you know, a, an appropriate level of pressure on the conversation until I can see something give and something did. And instead of having to apologize for being a jackass, like pushing him too hard and yelling and just serving myself in terms of that frustration, I now have a really strong foundation that I earned over uh, the, that, that admittedly difficult six or eight month <laughs> transformational period, no doubt. Dude, that's awesome. I love this because this is like, it's almost like, I don't know if you were ever a kid and like, remember playing in a stream. I know for me, we lived near uh, the Smoky Mountains, East Tennessee when I was younger, like kindergarten through fifth grade. And so we'd go out, go picnic and play in the stream. And it was so much fun as my brother and I would like play and we'd turn over the rocks and we'd try to find crawfish, crawfish, how are they called them? Yeah. And so what you want to think of as a leader is your, your job is to turn the things over that everyone else is running past and ignoring. And so the way to do that, it's just like what you're sharing there. I'm not going to, and we'll start with this, tolerate this level of exchange or impact. I have a vision for where it can be better. Now, 
like you just said, you don't have to be a jerk about. So we're going to cover a lot more around that through this journey. But the starting point is to go, hey, I, I can't ignore this. I can't avoid it. I can't tolerate it. I'm going to dive right into it. So wherever you find yourself feeling a little bit sapped of some energy, uh, why is this? How come? Uh, flip it in your mind. It actually gives you energy. Holy cow. I have a problem that needs to be solved. This is great. I see the gap between where it is and what it could be. That means I have vision. And if you don't have any vision, what's the point? I mean, this is why we start here with this journey of leadership. So where for you and your experience in helping lead and train those who lead other sales leaders, CEO or uh, a manager, a VP, like we were talking about last episode, where do you see them tolerating things? Oh man. We'll go to beyond that, but let's start. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a common refrain, um, in sales that the word should, right. You should know this, mm. you should be good at this. Um, and so oftentimes, and I, and I really do believe that over 30 years of doing this, that, that the CEOs and other C-level execs that hire sales leaders, sales managers, I should say, who then manage these sales leaders, um, they feel like they don't really understand sales. They don't really understand sales. Now, they may have sold in their careers. They may have um, dealt with salespeople, supported salespeople. But, you know, unless you have lived for years trying to hit a quota mm-hmm. <laughs> in the context of a dynamic environment and meet the expectations of all the people around you, um, you know, you really, it's really hard to say you understand what it's like to be a salesperson. So because of that lack of understanding, oftentimes folk, the folks around us don't want to hear from us. They don't, they just want to hire you and kind of give you the tools you need and then let you go. And uh, there's no close management. There's no desire to understand. It's just, just go and do your thing and come back to me when the, all you have to do is hit numbers. And, um, and so I think, I think some of the, um, some of those tolerations or challenges that we face, that I see them facing is that, um, they, as leaders, they kind of believe, okay, yeah, maybe I should know everything. And so now the learning stops. Now the inquiry stops. Now, um, they don't feel as comfortable asking for developmental training, I mean, we know that 15% of sales managers are hireable. What about the other 85%? Is it possible that they never got trained, that they never got supported, they never got coached, they never were shown how to do things or never allowed to go out and discover how to do those things? It's just assumed that they should know. So that lack of curiosity above those folks then filters down into a lack of curiosity in the sales organization and it becomes pervasive across the organization and then that kills uh, this concept of continuous improvement. And then guess what? You now have a culture that is actually hostile to top performers because we know top performers are curious. They always want to get better. And guess what happens when a top performer who wants to get better ends up in an organization that stopped learning? They end up leaving. Mm. Dude, that's, I mean, all day long, all day long. When I've been in leadership environments, and there haven't been a ton, which is why I want to be in leadership environments I help build. Uh, but when I've been in leadership environments over my life where 
that tolerating was happening, you just, you sniff it out that quick and you're like, this is not for me because I want to be all I can be. And I want to be in an environment that helps me maximize my potential. Uh, if, if you had to, this is like a speed round kind of thing. And you had to go one, two, three, here are the top three places that I see uh, VP of sales, whatever that position is where they're leading a sales team tolerate. What are those? Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So they, so they tolerate uh, their, their, the team members all doing their own thing. So there is no, there is no unified focus on how to sell. They all do their own thing. And that, that contributes to all of them at their own pace using CRM, all of them at their own pace, qualifying properly, all of them at their own pace, uh, leading people through a, a, a proper sales process, all of them at their own pace, deciding on their own what determines a forecastable opportunity. And so what that ends up doing is if everyone's doing their own thing, everybody's following their own rules, everybody's ignoring the um, direction of their manager, um, it makes the job of the manager that much more difficult. So now the manager, because they can't get their hands wrapped around this, now has to spend time deciphering the interpretations of every member of the sales team <laughs> when they give their when they give their forecast. So therefore the forecast doesn't exist in CRM. It's something that has to be made up every month or made up every quarter. And it's only made up by virtue of sitting with people and understanding what their interpretations of, the, of what qualified is. And so, and so it becomes a huge mess. It's not scalable. And actually it causes that team to underperform by a, an order of magnitude in many cases. Uh, awesome. So yeah, so when, when that's tolerated, or avoided because maybe the manager doesn't it doesn't do well with conflict or loves conflict, but unfortunately the conflict that they get involved in escalates to a point where it creates damage in relationships. So that manager just might <laughs> bite their tongue. Um, that manager might also decide, okay, great. If this is how you guys are going to behave, then I'm going to find other ways to influence you. And then the manager can go back to being a salesperson and just and just travel with their reps. Uh, and be involved in sales calls on a regular basis and use that as a way to influence in a different way because they don't get what they know they need from another direction. So they, so they tolerate not having a sales process. It could be because they're avoiding conflict. We'll come back to avoiding. What's the second big thing you see uh, being tolerated? Well, I think this idea of um, oftentimes they have this fixed mindset around the competency of their salespeople. So salespeople don't like, oftentimes don't like asking or talking about money. Mm. Salespeople oftentimes have a need to be liked. Salespeople oftentimes um, have non-supportive buying habits. So when a salesperson goes out and shops, they always negotiate price. Therefore, they feel it's normal for someone else to want to negotiate with them. Ooh, that's good. Right? So salespeople go out and they... When, they, when they're ready to buy something, they'll tell the person, I want to think about it. That's how they always shop. So they can go shopping, save 10% somewhere else and waste lots of time doing it. They might feel like when a rep, when a client does that to them, it's normal. So how do I, I wanna, get them to shift that? Oh, I got to put an exclamation mark there because <laughs> of all the episodes we've done, that was like a killer insight that uh, I think is just so powerful Yes, I'm going to come back to that. But yeah, that's so good. Yeah. You, because I'm like that. When we first got married, my wife was like, 
she'd buy something. I was like, did you ask for a discount? She was like, no, it's the department store. You don't ask for the discount. I was like, you got to try. It's worth trying. You know, now that was a young man's energy and a young man's game. I don't care now <laughs> about getting five and 10% off everything like that. But because I bought that way, right? I would, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. So if you, yeah. So if you buy based on price, you sell based on price. If you buy value, you sell value. Which it's is now. That, yes. And that energy, yeah, as we get older and that energy is there. And that's why CEOs are typically great salespeople or founders because they're already in this place of buying and selling value. Young salespeople, not so much sometimes. So, yeah. So we don't want to tolerate that. We don't want to tolerate reps that don't want to talk about money. Well, those like, that comes from a level of insecurity. You know, if, if I sell based on price, then of course I don't want to talk about price because I think that that's immediately the point when the, when my buyer is going to say, okay, great. I like to think about it. Okay. Well, I have, I have no power and I just gave my power, whatever little power I had away by bringing up price. So I don't want to talk about that. That's evil. Well, what if you sold by virtue of building value, then you'd, you'd actually welcome the price conversation because the value is a 10 X of that price. And why wouldn't they say yes? Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so dude, for those taking notes, you've just given three huge places tolerating happens. And now some of you, as you hear this, you're going to be like, Oh, that's more to fix. Yeah, that's right. You have a vision and that's great. Flip it to now. This is where I dive in. So here's the three. Okay. One, a process for sales. If if you don't have the process, 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 go back and hit the rewind button on the podcast app like seven times on the 30-second button. You're going to get to where Jimmy was laying that out. How much you're losing, not having a process for sales. Second is the people, the people. When you start to falsely think oh, I want to be, I want to sell to how I'm sold to or how I like to buy is how they like to buy. You're thinking in generalities, not specifics of who the customer is, of who the salesperson is. So we've got process, we've got people. Third, we got power. Salespeople who are trained in a process or it's just too lackadaisical, it's not even a process, where sadly, they are not using a system to lead the conversation in an empowering way. It's not just about keeping power. The wins model empowers you to find the shared path and the shared goal with the customer. So we're leading the conversation, but we're not having to do it in a manipulative way. We're also not being directed by our inability to talk about things that would be things that some personalities would avoid. The wins model really keeps you from tolerating that, right? It does. So we got and process, people, and power. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, man. So so I like the summary. So where do we go from here? So next, I want to ask you this, and I've already made a list of a couple of things you said. Where do you see the avoidance problem the greatest? Let's do a top three on that, where uh, you see leaders of leaders avoiding yeah. I, I got one. I'll kick you off with it. You said Go conflict. Forward. They're yeah. avoiding conflict. That's that's the number one biggest issue is uh they don't know how to how to how to address a con address conflict that will come in a constructive way. So they just avoid it. Um 
what I will also say is this idea of avoiding pushback. So um, we, we recognize that when you sell, you have people buy, people buy when they're ready, willing, and able to change. And so when you're selling, you have to, you have to create a, you have to follow a tension cycle. You have to build tension in the conversation to move the buyer to change. And if there is no tension, if it's just a beautiful, lovely conversation, then all they've had is a beautiful, lovely conversation, but there's been no incentive to do anything different. So in the same way, leaders avoid um, learning how to, digging into, creating the tension required to move their people to change, changing their behaviors, changing their attitudes, changing their mindsets, whatever it might be. Um, that's different. That's a little bit different than conflict. Um, I love and I would that. say that, go ahead. Oh, no, say, I love that. I want to expand it a little bit more, but go ahead. You forget to do it. And I think the other big, big thing for a manager is we need budget. We need money. Um, there's a, there's a level of avoidance that occurs. Um, when we think about, okay, communicating with my boss and my CEO and my board of directors, you know, those folks don't understand sales. They understand whether or not you're hitting your number. They understand the goals of the organization in terms of accelerating revenue and multiplying value, but they don't know what your life is like day to day. And if you can't express that in a way that uh, they are willing to fund the ideas that you come up with, then what you end up doing is not leading up the organization, you end up kind of becoming um, a, uh, a victim of your own inability to express what you need to achieve the goals that they that they lay upon you. And they're just going to keep laying those on you until you kind of wake up. And unfortunately, oftentimes we wake up when it's time to go get another job because we've been let go because we never learned that skill set. Mm, love it. Love it. So we're going to list out what is avoided. And I'm going to run a fourth one by you. Um, conflict. We avoid conflict. And uh, so true. I mean, we see this in leadership at large, but I can imagine in in sales leadership also. Um, it's uh, if conflict is a problem for you, we've got a number of episodes. Go back to some of the earlier episodes. We talk about the insecurity that's happening that you don't have to fight against that too. And, and a great well, a great example there, Chris. Before you had it's just this idea of I'm just thinking of a sales manager who has a top producer who won't leverage CRM. Yeah. Who won't yeah. do what everybody else in the team is doing. And so what do we yeah. say? We, we say we have a, we don't, we either have conflict that potentially encourages that top producer we fear to leave, or we just kind of just say to them, good, just hit your number and you can do whatever you want. And then all of a sudden we now have the first salvo of a decision that will now destroy the team dynamic. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome. We want to give a solution for these to help people at least get a little bite-sized step on changing it. So we did that on the tolerating. So if avoiding, if you find yourself struggling with one of these four, we're going to give a solution. So one is conflict. We've talked about that. Two, pushback. Mm -hmm. I love this because Tension. you, yeah, you, you are, you're so adept at, I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm trying to engage the tension that's already here. Manipulation is artificially creating this tension. 
what you're doing is surfacing what's there to make sure we walk a shared path, shared goal. Correct. And so engaging this pushback. So if you're struggling with allowing, engaging the tension, getting the feedback, being hungry for it, seeking it out, the WINS model will do that for you. Um, third, budget. You got to put them in your world. So fair question, Jimmy. It's the person's responsibility to put their, to, to, to lead up in such a way that they can put their leader in their world to know what those budgetary needs are and or the ancillary issues connected to it. Exactly. Awesome. And, and, and too often, too often we don't lead up because we feel like we have to be something we're not. Mm. Right. And, and I'll tell you what, when I talk, when I coach VPs and sales managers, I find myself saying, whenever they ask me advice, I find myself saying over and over again, just be honest, mm. just be honest, mm. you know, instead of, instead of going, instead of pretending that you know everything and there's nothing that you can't do, just be honest, mm. you know, Hey, Hey boss, we have a requirement. We have a requirement for technology that's going to, that has the potential to 10 X our productivity. How do I build a business case that you and uh, the CFO are going to get embrace and approve? What's wrong with that? I mean, I would that's ask, awesome. a, I would ask a client that I'd say, look, the only way we're going to get this through your decision-making process is to build a business case that makes sense. What kind of business case are you, are your, will your leadership team respond to? To put a big uh, exclamation mark on that, every leader I've ever coached that is that once growth is secure in who they are, loves that. They love to be led up. Right. The only people that don't like and want you to lead up are super insecure leaders. And is that something you want to be anchored to? Because the environment that they're building is going to hold you back and shape you much more than you realize. Um Awesome. So last tolerating, this is mine to just run by you and see what you think. And it's what I see a lot of anyway. Once somebody gets out of frontline sales and goes up a level, and especially CEOs, they tolerate, um, or excuse me, they avoid, they avoid, but you could say they tolerate it too, a disconnect from the customer. They get comfortable in patterns and rhythms that have them abstracted too many levels away. I'm not saying every CEO or VP of sales or whatever has to have uh, some kind of frontline engagement all the time, but there needs to be some kind of periodic rhythmic way you're getting that viewpoint for yourself, whatever that looks like. Um, and I'd be curious your take on that because um, mine is from hack job yours is much more experienced in sales well so are you saying for example um the ceo who doesn't go out to the market to talk to customers the ceo that doesn't kind of engage directly yeah, they, they don't have to talk to them but there has to be some way and and if they do that that's great but we work with plenty who there's just no way they could the way the business is structured and you know, sometimes legal issues and whatever, but there has to be some way that they're able to put their ear to ground for themselves. Right. right. I'm all for sit at the desk, develop the strategy. Right. But figure out a way to stay connected to the pulse. Yeah. So this is, this is how in a sales environment, uh, this is how silos 
are formed. So if you think of, we think of sales as a team sport, but what's interesting is the team has to include the product development and service team. It has to include marketing. It has to include sales. It has to include customer success. So how do you get all four of them on the same page when they are all four so entirely different? And then add on top of that, you know, solution design and all the other ancillary groups legal that, that support uh, the sales, the process of driving sales and creating revenue. So this idea that you're suggesting where, where we are not willing to kind of get out from behind our desk and engage the other members of the team, then we are just creating silos and we are, we are, we're becoming less connected and therefore success is becoming harder for everyone. Now, why, why do we allow that to happen? Oftentimes it goes back to the insecurities that drive things like avoiding conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes it has to deal with the fact that we, we just don't know how to relate to someone that we can't relate to, right? One of the biggest challenges that sales and marketing folks have is they don't get each other. And whenever they do, whenever they are in the same room talking, it's usually marketing saying we've sent you guys leads, but you guys aren't following up on them and mark and sales saying we don't get enough qualified leads. <laughs> we don't follow up because they're not qualified. So it's like this constant battle. What about having a tra- What about being able to translate what they're saying, find a solution, create the handshake and then cultivate that connection over time. Yeah. It, it oftentimes doesn't happen for the reason that you've cited. Yeah. Wow. So don't tolerate anything less than, that kind of handshake. And I think that's a great place to to land the plane today. We've given you some specifics to not tolerate or avoid. We've encouraged you on what it means when you see the gap between where you are, where you want to be, and you get bothered, you can get inspired because now you have vision. What do you do? You start with where you're tolerating or avoiding. There's much more to it. We're going to cover those in the future episodes. But in the meantime, don't be afraid to get in that creek and Turn those rocks over. <laughs> Outstanding. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F L O R I S S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.